ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. I have a fantasy that I check my emails and there's one from my boss saying, Tegan, you've been looking tired. You should take a paid week off to catch up on sleep. Because honestly, the closer we get to the end of the year, the more we start to feel that dreaded sense of burnout. Everyone should probably be doing a bit less. We probably should all be sleeping a bit more. And of course, in the age of always on hustle, some people are doing just that and they're making a whole lot of money doing it. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Quick Smart, the show that feeds you big ideas in bite-sized pieces. So who are these people that are cashing in on their sleep cycles and how do I get in on it? But more importantly, why are people paying to watch others sleep? And how could the online phenomenon of sleep fluences be a gateway to better mental health? Someone who has been sleeping on the job is Anna Levy. Hello, Anna. Hello. Tell me about sleep fluencing. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I had the exact same response as you, Tegan, where I thought, oh my God, new avenue opened for me. <laughs> Great at sleeping. It's a full on hobby. Uh, I think I could really make good money out of this. Um, and some people are. So there's a couple of different streams of sleep influencers. The first is your kind of ASMR stream of influencer. So they're the people who are literally hitting go, um, streaming themselves sleeping for a full eight, 10 hours, however long they'd like to sleep. And others are tuning in to watch that happen. And the other stream is a slightly more... Um, oh, it's a kinky sex thing. It's not a kinky sex oh. thing. I mean, look, it might be, but on my ABC computer during my research, I did not get into that. <laughs> But the other side is where people sleep or potentially pretend to sleep and you can pay to wake them up in an array of horrifying ways. <laughs> okay. All right. It's kind of straightforwardly torture and monetized, but people make a lot of money off of it. There was a guy on the Gold Coast um, who was apparently making $50,000 a month off of this. To be woken up by other people. To be woken up. I have children. I get that done to me for free. <laughs> well, they should be paying. Someone should be paying you, Tegan. <laughs> okay, so tell me about th this money. Like, what's the size of this market? Well, there isn't a lot of research into live streaming specifically, basically because it's so new. All of these little niches that have popped up out of nowhere um, are still being studied. So we don't have a lot of research in terms of what the industry actually looks like at this point. However, we do know that the live streaming industry itself is just taking off. So it's grown 20% from last year to this year, and it's actually tipped to reach $5 billion Australian dollars by 2027. So it's live streaming. That's live streaming. Of any kind. Of any kind. Gaming is obviously a huge part of that. People love to watch other people game, but that includes sleep influences, NPC influences, if you've heard of those, people who pretend to be video game characters. Oh, non-player characters. Yeah. Yes. Non-playable characters um, doing all sorts of canned responses. You can send them ice creams and all sorts of little emojis and pay for them to reply to you in real time. Can I just clarify, because I am imagining, and I don't know if it's my own internal stereotypes or if it's probably correct, I'm thinking that most of these sleep fluences are young, attractive women? Actually, 
<laughs> Actually, when I was researching this for the ABC Online piece that I'm writing, I found that a lot of the live streaming sleep influences are young men, usually in their boxer shorts, for reasons that I suppose are obvious. But other areas of streaming does tend to be those young, attractive women. And there's a big question about where this overlaps with sex work and camming. So a lot of people will do both. They'll live stream things like ASMR or like sleep influencing. And they'll also have their OnlyFans. Plenty of people do it in a non-sexual way as well. And there are lots of questions about whether this is sexual in nature or whether it's just that it's a pretty girl doing it and therefore people sexualize it. Without sounding like a total creep, there is actually something very vulnerable about watching someone sleep. Usually the people that you see sleeping are your family or friends, your your partner or your kids. If it's not sort of like a weird sex thing, is it maybe people wanting to feel that sense of intimacy of, of being allowed to watch someone else sleep? Absolutely. That's something that an expert that I spoke to for this story really touched on is that, yeah, there's that real sense of comfort in watching your baby sleep, for example, or your loved one sleep. Obviously, you take that to the other extreme where you're watching a stranger sleep without their consent, and that is maybe criminal and definitely creepy. Oh, like looking through someone's window. Exactly. Yeah, don't yes, do that. Don't do that. Um, but when there's consent involved and when it's monetized, it gets you into a really weird space. And a lot of the experts that I spoke to for this story said that this is kind of a new space that due to things like the pandemic and climate change and political division, people are really craving that sense of comfort and connection, even with strangers or with online communities that otherwise they wouldn't really connect with. What do we know about why watching someone sleep is kind of appealing? Well, I spoke to a clinical psychologist who basically said that there are a few really base human instincts and desires that we have when we're watching someone, whether it's sleeping or talking or doing anything else online. Um, One of those is comfort. So that feels really comforting to connect with someone. One of those might be schadenfreude, if you've heard of that. Oh, like taking pleasure in someone else's pain. Yeah, or at least being happy that you're not that person. So <laughs> when someone else is being woken up by like a blaring alarm in um, because someone else has paid a certain amount of money, there's a sense of, oh, thank God, that's not me. There's also the sense of comparison. So the psychologist I spoke to said that basically we're always looking to compare ourselves to others and whether that's a positive or a negative thing, we do have that base urge and that's often what we're doing when we're watching someone live stream. Mm. So you mentioned ASMR before. Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response is what ASMR actually stands for, that idea that you get tingles. Some people just like like it though. There is that sort of sense of comforting. I do know people sort of that helps them go to sleep. So is it just kind of an extension of, of that? A lot of it is. I mean, I think that there's some very distinct areas of the live streaming kind of ecosystem. I spoke to an influencer and a live streamer who does ASMR live streaming, um, and her world is very much about mental health. It's very much about relaxation. Her live streaming is non-sexual, and it's very much to connect people. Um, She's been very upfront about her own mental health struggles and how this was a way for her to connect with other people online. And her community, as a result, is incredibly close-knit and supportive. But yeah, she does all sorts of things. Wooden soup, for example, if you can guess what that is. um, No. (laughs) Take a guess. It's... It's, it's what it sounds it's an like. It's a bowl. It's, it's a bowl, um, a wooden bowl with wooden beads in it that you pour water into and you mix it around and it is a pleasing sound to those who enjoy ASMR tingles. 
So that's one of them. She also does lots of tapping on things, wrinkling of fabrics, even um, murmuring and whispering into the microphone. So she will go live um, when she's doing this regularly. She'll go live for, you know, three or four hours doing this nonstop. Um, And people will interact in her comments saying, you know, asking for different sounds that they enjoy or saying how it's helped them or what they'd like to hear next. So it's this really intense community that pops up at like 10pm on a Wednesday uh, in regional Queensland. That's really interesting that you're saying that there's a link between this and mental health. I can imagine that an online community kind of no matter what your shared interest is, there's perhaps a, a mental health benefit there. But can you talk me through more about what this person's saying about their own mental health? Yeah, so this person, Trish, she actually started live streaming because her therapist told her to get a hobby. Uh, (laughs) An unusual one, perhaps. She says she's very shy, and so this was her sneaky way of getting a hobby without having to leave the house. (laughs) Maybe not what you'd expect, speaking to, you know, thousands of people a night, but she found that actually it put her in this really calming headspace where she was able to kind of disengage from some of her mental health issues um, and also just connect to people. So she gets a lot of young people, adolescents and kids commenting, um, and she'll interact with them, chat to them, ask them how their weekend's going. And that back and forth, she says, is really important to making her and her audience members just feel really connected and supported by one another. Of course, that is an unusual pocket of the internet where things are not always quite so warm and fuzzy and supportive. But she was telling me that this is a really special community for her. What if, say, you, someone, a friend, wanted to become a sleep influencer, tap into this $5 billion pie of live streaming? What does, what does it take to get started? Uh, it helps, I think, if you're partially naked, so something to <laughs> consider. <laughs> I think that, I mean, different different platforms have different barriers to entry, and so the most popular ones you're looking at are Twitch, which is very gamer-centric, um, YouTube, which has got, like, a huge slice of the pie and has a huge audience, and then TikTok, which is, of course, growing year on year and is tipped to reach 955 million active users by 2025, which is wild. Um, So if you get onto one of those platforms, you get a good following and you start making content that people like and they relate to, there's a possibility. But I've got to warn you, Tegan, on TikTok particularly, it's not super lucrative. There's this metric that people use um, where every thousand views that you get, you get a sum of money. On TikTok, that's generally about four cents. Oh, that's a shame. That Plus, a shame. you've got to buy a pillow, I guess. <laughs> you've got to have a good setup. I think, um, I think memory foam would be a good way to do it. <laughs> so it's not your new side hustle, Anna Levy? I might give it a go. Let's see. If you pay me, I'll, I'll sleep. How about that? <laughs> we'll keep it small. you got a deal. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.